Okay, I invite you to join with me in singing hymn number 149, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. 149. Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, let me a few things to pray for this morning. Uh, let me mention a few folks uh, there on your uh, prayer ministry sheet. Uh, keep Fred Anderson in prayer. He had uh, a right knee replaced. Uh, he had a bit of a setback this week. Uh, he had um, a reaction to one of his medications, went back into the hospital, but they got that all worked out. Uh, but he had to take a break in his therapy. Um, and so he's going to go be going back tomorrow uh, so pray that he can pick up where he left off. Uh, so keep Fred Anderson in prayer, uh, as well as Dave Booker. Uh, you probably saw the emails and the text messages and so forth. Uh, Dave had an appendix uh, taken out this past week, but he's home now, but not going to work until Wednesday, I believe, right? So uh, pray for Dave with uh, the other things, of course, that are going on with him. Uh, and Sandy Snyder, um, she had uh, surgery this past Friday. About a week ago, she had fallen, but the leg was too swollen in order to, be, uh, to have surgery. But she had surgery uh, this past uh, Friday, and um, a plate, two pins, and uh, 10 weeks with no weight on that leg. So um, it's, it's just going to be a rough go, I'm sure, you know, to not be able to put weight on that leg for uh, 10 weeks. So please pray for her uh, recovery. Also, Frank Kolish, many of you know Frank. Uh, Frank had surgery to remove a kidney, and um, he's home now. He came home this past Thursday. Uh, they took quite a number of biopsies. Uh, the cancer has spread, uh, but they just don't know how far. And so this Wednesday, 
he'll be getting those reports back from the biopsy. So he's now in this waiting game. Uh, so pray for, for this Wednesday uh, that he gets a good report uh, when it comes back. We do want to pray as well this morning for our students. Uh, some of them go back tomorrow. I know some of you may have already started this past week, but I think it's be, it would be good for us to pray uh, for this new school year. And also, you saw probably in your bulletin a 30-day prayer calendar. Uh, this relates to the rally that's coming up, uh, Discover America, on the 15th of September. And this is a prayer guide. It gives you something to pray for each day leading up to that rally. Um, if you looked at it, it actually starts on August the 17th. Uh, so uh, you have a little bit of catching up to do. That's not your fault. Uh, that's ours because we just now uh, got it in the bulletin today. But we want to pray also uh, for the rally this morning uh, as well as uh, these other things that we need to bring before the Lord. So having said all of that, uh, let's come before our Lord. Father, we come before you this morning, and we are thankful that, again, that you've given to us this great opportunity to be able to come before the throne of grace. Lord, an opportunity to, to, to be able to come into your presence. Father, the Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. That, Father, prayer ought to be a very big, big part of our lives. And we're thankful that now... Uh, we as a group, as your body, were able to come together and lift these requests uh, before you. Father, we do think of Fred. We ask that, Lord, you would help him as he goes into therapy tomorrow uh, to pick up where he left off. Uh, we pray that you would help him uh, to work through this therapy. We thank you for Dave and thank you that, Lord, he was able to have uh, this problem removed. And we now pray for his recovery, strengthen him. Lord, each day. Think of Sandy as well. Father, we pray that uh, the 10 days would move along much more quickly uh, than we might imagine right now. Uh, we pray that you would strengthen her upper body as, Lord, she needs that to use the walker. Uh, but we pray that you would heal this foot and you, Father, would be good to her. We think of Frank Kolish as well. Father, here's one who was a part of us years ago and Father, he's battling, as we know many do. They battle with cancer, and Lord, it is a battle. It's not an easy thing, and I know Frank is going through quite a bit right now, and we don't know where all this is going, but Father, we do commit him to you and pray that the report on, on um, Wednesday, Lord, might be a good report. Father, we also think of our students, uh, some of them going to school tomorrow. Others are already have a few days in. But we thank you for the opportunity uh, to begin a new school year. Lord, we're just at the beginning of this year. And, Father, we know that it, it goes uh, for quite some time. And we ask that you might bless our students. We pray, Lord, that you might bless the faculty, the teachers, the families of these students. Lord, would you make our school a great place? And we pray also that you might make it a safe place. Father, we know things happen in schools today, but we pray that you might put a hedge around our school system. Not just Halifax, but Father, each school that's represented by the students that are here this morning. Father, we also thank you for the rally that's coming up shortly. 
Uh, in a couple of weeks, we thank you for Franklin Graham for his vision to try and um, uh, get to each capital of each state. Uh, Lord, quite a big undertaking, and we pray that many would uh, support uh, this endeavor here in Pennsylvania as we travel to Harrisburg, and pray that, Lord, as, um, as we do, that, Father, we would stand in support with him uh, for our nation. Uh, Father, there's a lot of things going on today that we don't understand and we certainly don't agree with. But again, Father, we're thankful that we can call ourselves Americans. This is a great land, and we thank you that you've allowed us to be a part of it. So, Lord, as we look at this list, it mentions a few things we need to bring before you. Father, forgive us of our sins as Christians, as your people. Lord, we haven't done all that we should do to make our nation great. We pray, too, that we as your people might live out the biblical principles that we find in the Word of God. Father, we often fall short of your ex expectations of us. We, have, of, of, of all men and women, Father, ought to uh, be living out, Lord, the instructions that are given to us in your Word. I pray that you would help the churches in Pennsylvania uh, to be strong and abound in the work of the Lord. And Father, we pray for unity. We pray, Lord, that we, here at Word of Life Chapel, we might be united in this endeavor. And so, Father, we commit uh, this rally to you, and we pray that you might bless our state, bless our nation as a result of our endeavor to come before you as a group of God's people as we pray. Father, you are a great and wonderful God, and we pray again that you might uh, direct us and guide us through this service. Father, we're going to open the pages of Scripture. We're going to look at the words that you have recorded. And I pray that you might use your word as you promised to do to conform us to the image of your Son. Help us to become more like Jesus as a result of our time together and our time in your word. Speak to us clearly. Speak to us clearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Gene Weaver is going to come and minister at this time. This week, as I was uh, getting prepared for today, I've really been touched about uh, prayer. We've been listening on TV and the radio about the prayer uh, thing that's coming up. And our oldest son has a friend who just recently got saved for the first time in his life. And he's just amazed how his whole life has changed. He no longer has that desire to have a drink or to smoke. Uh, everything in his life is changing. And our son has been able to forgive someone that hurt him desperately. He said all he could think about was he knew he needed to, to forgive. So he's been praying that the Lord would help him. We all are, have things in our lives we have to pray about. But the great thing is God is listening and Jesus can change everything in our lives.
changed everything. Jesus changed everything. There is joy overflowing. I'm forgiven and free. Jesus changed everything. I was blind. Maybe I just didn't want to see. How foolishly I tried to build my own destiny. But all my well-constructed plans failed me time and time again. So my broken heart came to him with empty hands that's when jesus changed everything jesus changed everything there is joy filled with pain and guilt now I know his peace the chains of yesterday have now been released the bitterness that I once knew the anger that inside me grew, they were all washed away by his grace and made me new because Jesus changed everything. Oh, yes, he did. Jesus changed. joy overflowing I'm forgiven and free Jesus changed everything there is joy Jesus.
Thank you, Gene, for that message and song. Thank you very much. Now I invite you to turn with me to hymn number 397, Like a River Glorious. I'll ask you to stand with me as we sing this together, and then those in junior church can be dismissed. 397. My wife had a dream a little while ago, and in this dream, uh, she dreamt that I had given to her for her birthday a very, very expensive diamond necklace. And so in response to that dream, I had a box beautifully wrapped and gave it to her. And when she opened it, there was a book entitled, How to Interpret Your Dreams. 
Have you ever noticed in the Christmas story, John, do you like that one? <laughs> you ever noticed in the Christmas story how often there are dreams and visions? Have you ever noticed the dreams and visions that surround the birth of Jesus? We want to look at one of those dreams. It's a dream that Joseph had. Turn, please, with me to the Gospel of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. And I want to start at verse 18. And I know it doesn't feel like Christmas outside, but we want to look this morning at the birth of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, it says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, a faithful, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. As we look at Joseph's, Joseph's dream, I want to look at it in five stages. Five stages. The first stage is the situation. We read in verse 18, this is how the birth came about. Now the world may question this. The world may laugh at this. The world may argue this. But the Bible is quite clear. This is how it happened. No other way, period. The Bible says that Mary was found with child. She found herself to be pregnant. Now, if this was not shocking enough, the explanation was unbelievable. Now, it says she was pledged to be married to Joseph. It was before they had come together. The angel appeared to Mary earlier, and we read of the account in Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 1, the Bible says that Gabriel came to Mary and explained everything. So Mary knows what's taking place. She understands that this child is conceived of the Holy Spirit. She understands that from an earlier dream. Now she's pledged to be married. It's a, an engagement period, but it's a lot more than 
our engagement period. As a matter of fact, it's so binding that for her pregnancy, uh, she is considered to be an adulteress and punishable by death. Joseph finds himself in a crisis. He looks at Mary. He has not yet had this dream. He looks at Mary, his bride-to-be, and she's pregnant. What does Joseph do? There's only one conclusion he can really come to. You know, someone said we ought not really criticize Joseph because he kind of jumped to conclusions. What other conclusion do you jump to <laughs> if you see someone pregnant and this is not your child? Joseph looked at his bride-to-be and thought, this is to another man. That's his conclusion. He has a crisis right now. Mary is carrying another man's baby. Notice the second stage, and that's the separation stage found in verse 19. When I think of Joseph and the description that's given, he is a really good guy. Joseph is just a great guy. One translation calls him righteous. Here it speaks of Joseph who was faithful to the law. And he looks now at this young girl who he's pledged to be married to. And he sees in her betrayal. He sees in her a breach of contract. He sees in her something that ought not be. But being the good guy that he is, he doesn't, he doesn't want to hurt her. He doesn't want to publicly have her ridiculed, although she will be, I'm sure. And so he decides that, first of all, he cannot pursue marriage, but he certainly does not want her to be judged publicly. So he decides to sign the legal papers, but divorce her, but do it quietly. But then he has a dream, which comes us, brings us to the third stage, the secret. He has a dream in verse 20. It says, but after he considered this, I can only imagine the agonizing of this man over the situation, the scenarios that he must have turned over in his mind, the toil that it must have taken on his body. And he grew weary. He grew tired. He grew exhausted. And he falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel says to Joseph, what Mary, I, I suppose, has been trying to tell him all along. But Joseph certainly was not going to believe her. But now he hears the angel. And in this dream, God tells him exactly what is taking place. And tells him that Mary has not been unfaithful, but what is conceived in her has come about as a result of the Holy Spirit. I can only imagine 
this revelation, what it must have been to Joseph. First of all, it had to be startling. I mean, it had to be startling. The idea of a virgin birth, it violated all common sense. The idea seemed so unreal. Joseph had to be taken back. And yet, by the same token, I believe he felt very comforted that now he knows what has taken place. Now he feels relieved that he can now go ahead with the wedding plans. Not going to be easy. Not going to be easy for Joseph at all to try and defend his decision to go ahead with the marriage. But not only to defend his own decision, but to try and defend Mary's honor. Can you imagine Joseph getting together with the boys and trying to explain that this is not my child, but it's nobody else's either? It's going to be hard for Joseph. It's going to be hard for Mary. But Joseph, in all of this, Joseph is learning a valuable lesson. Something I believe we all need to learn. And it's this. Never underestimate God. Never underestimate the power of God. That text I referred to earlier in Luke chapter 1, you know, when the angel comes to Mary and explains all of this, in that same dream, that angel Gabriel says to Mary in order to help her understand the power of God, the angel says to Mary, and even your cousin Elizabeth, who is old, who is barren, even your cousin Elizabeth is going to give birth to a son. And then the angel says, because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary, if your cousin Elizabeth can give birth to a son, you will too, even being a virgin. You know, I think we all, at times, we, we go through these situations in which we feel are just impossible. Situations where we feel there's no hope. Situations in which we think nothing ever is going to change. It's just always going to be this way. But I'm telling you this morning that if God can make pregnant an old, barren woman, if God can bring a child into the womb of a young virgin, God is able to solve your problem. God is able to heal your body. God is able to restore your relationship. God is able to fix your finances. You see, the angel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. This is a lesson that she needed to learn. And this was a lesson that Joseph needed to learn. You know, we sing a little chorus 
we used to sing. We don't sing it too much anymore. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. Will you sing with this with me? Uh, we don't have any music, but we'll sing it a cappella. Those of you that know it, sing it out, sing it strong. He is able, more than able. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what He wants me to be. Well, that's true. Nothing is impossible with God. And then we come to the satisfaction stage in verses 22 to 23. This is where Joseph discovers something. He discovers that he's part of something much bigger than just a marriage to marry. That, that, that something is going on here. It's a much bigger plan than he could have ever imagined. The angel speaks of prophecy now being fulfilled in the life of Joseph, in the life of Mary. He speaks, I believe, of, of the passage back in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 where it speaks of a virgin birth. And all of a sudden, Joseph, he's beginning to understand that there's something bigger going on here than what I could have imagined. And you, Joseph, the angel said, you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, the name Jesus means that. It means salvation. It means that uh, he will come into the world, this one who is God in flesh, Emmanuel. The word became flesh, the Bible says, and, and he dwelt among us. But he had to come into the world in flesh because God cannot die. And so God, the God-man, came into the world in order to go to the cross. And there on the cross to shed his blood so that the world might be saved. Believe, the Bible says, on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus will come and save his people from their sins. The Bible says we all need a Savior because we are all born in sin. We're not just born in sin, but we do sin. And the Bible says that the greatest need that we have is to be forgiven of that sin. And Jesus will be the one. Jesus will be the one who comes into the world to save his people from their sins. And Joseph receives the assurance, the assurance that, that this child who Mary will bear will be God himself. We sing a song at Christmas. Hark, the herald angels sing. One of the stanzas goes like this. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. And over in Colossians, in that great little book of Paul's, it says that in him, 
Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Think of that. In this child dwells all the godness bodily. All the godness bodily. So Joseph receives this assurance that he's part of a bigger plan, that he's he's going to be a part of bringing into the world this this long-expected Messiah. It's hard to imagine what, what must be going through Joseph's mind at this point. And then finally, Joseph, he wakes up. He wakes up, and um, the dream works. Uh, the anxiety is gone. Um, the uh, faith has now uh, is a faith that is in the impossible, the unbelievable. Uh, he's going to take Mary to be his wife. Uh, they're going to uh, live together. They're going to share a home together. Uh, he's going to keep his commandment to Mary uh, as, they were, as it was pledged and also uh, to his God. When I came to the conclusion of this text, the one thing that kept bombarding my mind was this. It's that how often God interrupts our plans. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed how often God interrupts our plans? Here's Mary and Joseph minding their own business, pledged to be married, and then God shows up. <laughs> and, and, and everything just changes. Everything just changes because God is in the business of interrupting our plans because he has a different plan. I can remember years ago when my wife and I, and uh, we, we built this house in Millersburg, custom-made house, a house in which we were going to live in forever. That's the house we were going to retire in. I worked for PennDOT beside Ted Kiter. I was going to retire with Ted uh, after so many years at PennDOT. And then God shows up and interrupts our complete plan that we had. You know how that works. God just shows up and he just barges into our lives and changes everything. I remember back in May of 2010, I had a plan to, with other men from the church, we were going to go fishing. In May, like we do every year in May. And God kind of just barged into my life in March. I'm laying on my back in intensive care with a heart attack. He just interrupt our plans. But that's what God does. How do you react to that? A couple weeks ago, we had a baptism, all scheduled. God sends some rain. How do you react when God barges into your life. He just interrupts your life and just changes everything. How do you react? You know, many people, they only see the dashed plans, the nixed ideas, the disappointments, the defeats, the failures, and never see the hand of God in interruptions. You see, we need to see God in interruptions. I was going to read James chapter 1, but you may know the account where James speaks of the plans that man makes. 
but we ought to include God and say, if, the, if God wills, I'll do this or that. You know, you have your plans and God has his plans. Guess which one wins? He always wins. We need to recognize sometimes God interrupts our lives and interrupts all of our plans because he has a different one. He has a different one. And if Joseph and Mary's plans could be interrupted, I suppose our best laid plans are subject to interruptions as well. Let me give you three words when it comes to interruptions. Three words that might help us to understand maybe better and have a better perspective on all of this. First of all, pray. You should be praying for everything. <laughs> and when interruptions come, when something happens and you say, oh man, I had pray. Ask God for courage, for wisdom, for guidance, for help. And then the second word is perspective. You know, put the interruption in its proper perspective. Sometimes we need to ask, how bad is it really? You know, lots of us, we tend to be catastrophic in our thinking, aren't we? We spend $100 worth of worry on a $5 problem. Someone said one time, if the tub doesn't get scrubbed before the company comes, it is not the end of the world. And then providence. We need to remember God's in control. God really is in control. And even in the interruptions, he still has your hairs all numbered. God knows exactly what he's doing. And nothing happens unless God permits it to happen. Our lives, they just don't always go as planned. And chances are that some of you this week are going to have a few interruptions. You might have your week all planned out, and all of a sudden things change. When God interrupts your plans, chances are he's trying to accomplish his. I received a music video this week, and I want to close this morning by playing it. And you know, I think you'll see in this video, the words are so powerful and profound. And I, I think you'll see how this all plays into uh, what has been said this morning. We're not gonna close with a hymn that's in your bulletin. We're gonna close with this video. Uh, I'm going to uh, have a very brief prayer and we'll be dismissed. Don't forget the um, picnic at one o'clock, but please listen to these words and allow this song to just move into your life because we get awfully bent out of shape when God interrupts our plans. I'm so confused Somehow I end 
understand that my broken heart is a part of your plan. When I try to pray, all I got is her and these four words. Thy will be done. Thy will be done.
treasure we could never earn.